The pre-med path can be super confusing. If you'd love some help on your path or on your applications, use the promo code PMY for pre-med years, PMY over at medicalschoolhq.net and get some help from some of our experts, former directors of admissions, admissions officers, other experts. We have a small team ready to help you today. Again, that's promo code PMY to get a discount on our services at medicalschoolhq.net. The Pre-Med Year, session number 537. Hello, and welcome to The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. And welcome to the pre-med years. Thank you so much for joining me today. Today, I have a great guest. Dr. Joanne Snap is joining me. And we're going to talk about how you can increase your chances of getting an acceptance. We're talking about how to do that. And lots of fun details, including a fun thing that we are doing here in October. Before we jump in, though, I want to talk about the MCAT Minutes brought to you by Blueprint MCATs. They may be at this fun thing that we're going to be talking about as well uh, as a presenting sponsor. Uh, hint, hint. But b- before the, we we go any further, uh, go sign up at blueprintmcat.com for a free account. Did you know that planning planning, planning your work has shown to increase not only your MCAT score, but just life in general. When you plan stuff out, when you are intentional, you are more likely to get stuff done. And in this case, we are more likely to study for the MCAT, study what you need, and hopefully get the score that you want. Go to blueprintmcat.com today, sign up for their free account and get access to their amazing study planner tool. All right, let's go ahead and jump in. Say hello to Dr. Joanne Snap. Joanne, welcome to the pre-med years. Welcome back to the pre-med years. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. It's so good to be here today. I'm excited to chat with you about conferences, uh, partly because we're putting on, you you and I, were, you're helping us put on MAPTCON 2023 in Baltimore in October, but mostly because you are the pre-health conference expert having put on an amazing conference at UC Davis for so many years. So I'm excited to chat with you about that today. Yeah, I my time with conferences goes way, way back um, to when I used to be an exhibitor and a speaker at conferences when I worked at med school, at a med school, two different med schools. And so when I, yeah, when I took over planning conferences, I always had that perspective in mind of like, what do the medical school exhibitors and speakers really care about? Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's been really fun to be involved in conferences, and I know the value that they bring to applicants, and so I'm really excited to talk to you about that. Yeah, so so give a little bit of, a, of your background. Former director of admissions at a medical school, former uh, kind of director of the pre-health advising office at UC Davis. G- yeah. Go a little bit more Absolutely. in depth there. Yeah, so I um, well, I started out my career right out of grad school as assistant director of admissions at a podiatric med school, and then I worked at a nursing college, and then I worked at um, an allopathic med school in New York as the director of admissions. And in all of those roles, I um, I was out and about recruiting students, going nationally to different colleges, and going to fairs and speaking and things like that. And so um, I had went out to UC Davis for their national pre health conference. Um, three times 
as the director of admissions. And so when I saw the job pop up for the director of health professions advising, I had been to the campus so many times. I was like, oh, that's a cute campus. I'll apply there. Um, And then, of course, got the job. And then once I started at UC Davis, I was blessed with the conference that actually got me there. And so I ran that conference for um, five years. And I I was the director of a very large pre-health advising office that served over 6,000 students. And um, yeah, all of that. (laughs) All of that good stuff. So it's, it's funny. When you talk about being a director of admissions, and going and quote unquote recruiting at these events. When when I hear that uh, as someone who's in this space, right? And and I could I could try to imagine what a pre-med thinks about that. I go, you guys get 8,000, 10,000 applications. Why the heck do you need to go quote unquote recruit people? What what is the goal of a medical school specifically for our audience at these conferences recruiting because you have plenty of applications i would assume yeah yes (laughs) um it's 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 twofold i think i think the med schools that kind of get out there and do things like that i think there's a little bit of like um at least i felt at that part at that time in my life a responsibility to go out and and sort of meet the people who were applying and meet and and provide information and sort of be there and support them in that way and so um, that's why I used to go out and recruit is I felt like I wanted to be able to share information with people face to face because so much of this process is just so elusive and it is mysterious and it's scary and, and there's just so much misinformation out there about everything. And so I always felt like, okay, if I could just get out there and speak the truth a little bit, maybe I could make a difference. But in terms of the recruiting, honestly, um, I think it's twofold. I think there is a, a drive to recruit diversity and I think that was one big part of it. But the other thing is, yes, there might have been 6,000 applicants, but that doesn't mean that there were 6,000 applicants who we could either accept or who would be happy to come to our school. Because a lot of people apply to 20, 30 schools, and really only 10 of those schools are schools they'd actually want to go to. The other 20 are, you know, safety schools or whatever you would call it. And so, you know, everyone's sort of sort of fighting over this, the same candidates. The same candidates tend to get a lot of acceptances. And then there's a whole lot of other people that just don't know about other medical schools because they're really focused in on the top 10 that they want to go to. So we would come, you know, as a New York school, we would come out to California just to make some connections with people who had never heard of um, the New York school, which was most of them. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So it it sounds like it's it's part uh, just goodwill, right? I'm going to go help the the students try to to figure this world out whether they want to come to our school or not and it's partly like hey look look at me over here i'm over here i would love to potentially have you and and yep. let me let me help you understand who we are um you and i did a podcast episode uh episode 437 i talk about it all the time about how to build a school list how much of that kind of mission alignment uh mission fit is a part of going out and talking to students and saying, here's what we're all about that maybe you won't read on a website? Um, I think that it's huge. I think what I always, what I've told my applicants for years, I used to tell my UC Davis students was that it's your job to stand out at a fair. Mm -hmm. So you don't go to a fair necessarily 
to figure out if this is the school. I mean, yes, you're going to figure out if this is the school you want to apply to, but I think fairs and talking to med schools are really, really valuable for people who are close to applying or in the application cycle. And that's where you are trying to, yes, learn about the school, but honestly, by October, everyone will have already applied. So they, they've already, they've already selected that school, right? Um, if you want to sort of stand out and use a fair to your advantage, then you're going to know a lot about the school and ask very, very tailored questions. So, um, I don't know if this will be jumping ahead a little bit, but there are some things that you you just never want to say to a to a med school at a fair. Um, there are some questions that you just don't want to ask um, a med school, and this is both from my own experience and from having lots of kind of chuckles with other admissions directors at different events over the years. Um, but when you go up to a when you go up to a table and you're talking to an admissions person, you have an incredible opportunity to make a connection because honestly, when they have six thousand applications, you are you can easily become just a NAMCAS ID number or a COMIS number. It's just so many people, and so when you tell someone, "Hey, I'm I'm currently applying to your school." their ears and their eyes are going to perk up. They're going to pay attention to you because now you're not just, you know, one of hundreds of people who are just learning about them that day. If you say, Hey, I applied to your school, they're going to go, Oh, really? Well, that's interesting. Like they're going to be interested in you suddenly. So here's your chance to shine. So if you say, so tell me why I should pick your school. <laughs> you have crushed your opportunity. You have literally, you might as well walk away at that point. Um, so you're not going to ask a med school, why should I pick your school? Or tell me something interesting about your school or tell me about your school. Like, no, like you should already know about their school because you applied there, right? Like they're going to expect you to show them what you know about their school at that point. And so you do that by asking really, really good questions that are tailored to the school. So I've always told people like know the schools that are going to the fair in advance, go ahead and generate very school specific questions for each school. And when you walk up to that table, have your notebook out and ask those really targeted questions because now you look like an educated consumer. Now you look like you you know what you're talking about. And of yeah. course, you, you look them in the face, you stick out your hand, you smile and you act like a professional. Yeah, it's it's almost um, the, the feedback that I give. I don't know if you give this kind of feedback for secondary essays that are very similar to like, why this school? Why are you interested in us? It's, hey, go and do lots of research, figure out different programs at the school, different outreach things, different parts of the community that the school may touch, and then try to relate it back to who you are and what you've done. It, do, you, do you see like potentially that sort of same yeah. formula, I, I, for lack of a better term of yeah. like, hey, I really love your school. This is something I've been really passionate about the last three years. And then here's a very specific follow-up question that that is mm -hmm. a true question and not just, I'm supposed to ask a question now, so I'm going to ask something generic. Well, I call it weaving. And so we are, we weave who we are with who they are, and that should yeah. generate a really specific question. So yeah, it. you could say, let's just say, for example, that you're applying, you're, you're going up to a school that does um, interprofessional education. And you would say, um, oh, I, I, oh, I applied to your school. I'm really interested in your school because of the work that you do with all of your health professions. Because I love that you're doing problem-based learning and putting pharmacy students with nursing students and everybody together. I did a lot of that when I was working at the whatever clinic we worked. Um, we did a lot of cases together where we had to sit around a table and discuss it. And so that's something that um, I'm really interested in, in my medical education. So I actually have a question for you. When your students get together and do your IPE, 
what does that look like in terms of blah, 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 blah. And you ask a really targeted question, but you've made it relevant. You've, yeah. you've told them why you're asking this question and you've demonstrated that you've already done your research about the school. Yeah. When, when you're standing on the other side of the table, right? When you're the recruiter, when you're the med school and you have two students back to back, one who says, tell me why I should come here or something super generic. And you have that other student that, that, weaves in the school information with who they are and asks a great question. What does, what does that tell you about the student in terms of just who they are and professionalism and potential readiness for med school and, and your excitement for potentially going back and pulling their file? Oh yeah. Well, they're a viable candidate. So that's who we would, that's who I would go back and look at. And so I used to do that when I worked at the med school, I would have my sign in sheet on the table and anyone who said they were applying, I would say, Oh, go ahead and write down your name and put a little star or circle your name or whatever. And then the ones that I really liked after they walked away, I would go put an extra star next to their name. Um, and then I would take that list and go back and I would pull all of them up when I got back to my office and anyone that was on an interview hold, I just pushed them through. Uh, because I had already pre-screened them. So they were already deemed good enough to be interviewed. But when I met them and I knew that they were, you know, good, then I went ahead and pushed them through. And what I've seen, and I, so I use that, that experience of my own to advise my candidates to do that. And what I have seen happen for years is that they'll go to a fair, they'll do this very thing. And then a two or three days later, they'll get interview invites. Yeah. Yeah. I, I tell the story all the time. Uh, one anecdotal story. Uh, I was working with a student several years ago, super non-trad, was working as a nurse, um, and she, it, it was October, uh, kind of mid-beginning of October, no interview invites yet, and it was like a Tuesday. I was like, hey, the UC, <laughs> UC Davis conference is Saturday, can you make it out? She And she lived on the East Coast. I was like, can you make it out Saturday? I'll walk you around. I'll introduce you to everyone I know um, and and see if we can get some traction. Uh, her hang up was she had a 499 MCAT and it was just like, she just couldn't get over the edge. Um, and so she, she made it happen. I introduced her to a bunch of people. Um, she found a lot of promise, but no real traction at the UC Davis conference, but enough hope that she then went to the AAMC, I think diversity fair, um, like the next week or two weeks later and found two medical schools, had amazing conversations, basically offered interviews on the spot and then ended up with two acceptances from going to a conference, right? And, and oh, yeah. putting herself out there and saying, here's who I am. I may not look like a bright shining star on paper because of one, two thing, whatever, whatever it is, but let's, let's chat. What, what do you think it is about just human connection that, that does that? Well, I can say having been on the other side that it's a very lonely place on the other side and meaning the admissions office yeah, is lonely. The, the admissions role is a very lonely space, hmm. um, primarily because no one acts like themselves around you. Like no, no applicant is going to be their true authentic selves. Everyone's putting on a face. Exactly. They're yeah. all going to try really hard. Um, if you really like people to respect you and stand up straight and, and, you know, be on their best behavior around you, then you'll be a director of admissions because they're all going to be very well behaved. However, um, I think that when you're someone who wants to help students and you're in that role, like you do crave the opportunity to want to, to get in front of people and to, to be able to give like 
actual good advice. Um, and so that's what it was for me is like, I just wanted to get out there and talk to people. And I think, like I said, you're going to see different med schools who participate in things. Not every admissions team feels that way. There are lots of med schools that don't go out and recruit for the reason you stated. They, they, they don't need to recruit. Why would they spend the money? Why would they waste their time going out and talking to people when they already have 6,000 apps? They don't think that's a good use of their, their resources. Yeah. But you'll notice if you go to fairs, you'll see the same types of med schools at all of them. And it's not because the schools are less than or they need people. It's just that they're, they have a different philosophy. They, they, I think those schools tend to be a little bit more student-centered. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, definitely. One of the things I, I was talking to at, at one of the, the more recent conferences, I was talking to a dean of admissions. And, and we were chatting about kind of going back to what not to do. Um, he loathed the the kind of philosophy that many students have of like just tell me who you want me to be right and so at a conference at a fair the the student will go up to a table and be like tell me tell me for? what students you're looking for right oh, exactly no. yeah talk about that philosophy for oh, students yeah. going to to tables well my initial like just my gut reaction when i hear that is like first i cringe and then i'm like I don't care who you are. Like, I don't, I don't care who, who do you want to be? Like, why would you ask me who you should be? I don't, that's so weird. And so like unnatural to ask an admissions person, like, what are you looking for? Well, I'm looking for. <laughs> I will for, be that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like at that point you've just lost, like you've just lost that person. You've yeah. lost that connection and they're just going to be nice to you, but they're going to be waiting for you to walk away. So you know, just you got to remember like what the whole point of this is, is like they're trying to identify people who are going to be a good fit for their school, which, you know, you're probably going to be a good fit at most schools. But like they're trying to, to see if they can connect with you on a on a human level. Like, are you someone who they can picture talking to patients? Are you someone who they can picture being a student? And can you relax? Can you talk? Can you have a normal human conversation? Do you are you confident in yourself? Like, are you capable of just like just having a chit chat with somebody because that's so important. Obviously in medicine, you're going to just talk to normal people and you have to talk like a normal person. So when you walk up to someone and you're so nervous and you're so awkward and you're asking these kinds of questions, like, who do you want me to be? It, it just, it's very unnatural. And so I always, you know, just say like, take a deep breath and just go up and talk to them. Just like talk about where you're coming from. Talk about what you ate for lunch. Talk about, Whatever you want. The best conversations are usually not about your candidacy. Yeah. Yeah. It's just just human connection. So, Joanna, I, I hear you talk and and I can picture a pre-med student who's maybe super introverted, super shy, listening to this going, well, if I go to a conference, I'm just going to fumble it. So maybe I shouldn't go. Is there a particular student who maybe just should avoid going and having those interactions and just hope their application stands out on its own? I, I don't think so because you're going to, if your application is strong enough for you to get interviews, then you're going to face this challenge at some point. It's yeah. inevitable. I think if anything, this is a, a little bit more of a safe place for you to practice those skills. And hopefully if you're, if this is somebody who is in their first or second year of college and you're listening to this and you're very nervous about talking to people, you need to go out and go to conferences. You need to get out early and you need to practice the skill from a very early age and get all of that out of your system by the time you're ready to apply. If you can't have a conversation with somebody and you're applying to med school, you have bigger problems. Yeah. Yeah. 
Agree. Much bigger. So what do you recommend? I, I know you, uh, with the students that you work with, you have lots of advice and kind of tips and a whole process for what to do, what to bring, et cetera, for a conference. T- talk about those. Oh, you want me to give my secrets away? <laughs> give okay. your secrets. Let's do it. <laughs> um, I mean, everybody should be dressed professionally, except for at big conferences, don't wear heels, like wear comfortable shoes, but dress professionally. Um, I coach people a lot on just, you know, people, I, I understand it sounds a little, like I don't sound very compassionate when I'm like, you should just be able to talk to people. But at the same time, like I do coach people on how to talk to people. So simple things that I think a lot of younger people who have grown up in the Zoom land um, forget is that you do have to force yourself to look people in the face. You have to force yourself, even if it's uncomfortable, to to maintain the eye contact. Shaking hands post-COVID era seems weird, but there are still people who shake hands or fist bump. And so you need to be ready to do that. When you walk up to a table, you need to be ready to extend, extend a hand or extend an elbow or something. But that is a formal greeting that you need to be ready to do. Um, you need to stick, you know, stick out your hand and introduce yourself with confidence in your voice. Hi, my name is Joanne, and I'm applying to your medical school. You need to sound like an adult when you say that. Um, and so, those are just like basic things. Um, I do encourage people. So, I have in the past told people to bring business cards. Mm-hmm. But I'll be really honest with you. Once everybody starts bringing business cards, that's no longer going to be effective. So if everyone's bringing business cards, it won't work. Um, but if if you have business cards, I would only do that if you're a current applicant. If you're not applying, your your business card isn't going to have any purpose for them. Um, you need to put your MCAS ID number on it. I would put your picture on it and um, and your email. That's it. And you could put your major, but you don't need to put your whole resume on your business card. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not applying, then the purpose of going to a fair is not to maintain a long-term relationship with the admissions people. They're not going to be very interested in you if you're not applying, but you can practice the skills of connecting with them at that point. So you can take their business card and you can follow up with them and you can email them when you're applying. But I would say the purpose of going and connecting with people is to... Um, is to gain the skills and to figure out schools that you might be interested in. I would not bring your resume. I've always told people that nobody wants your resume. Even at interview days, don't bring your resume because they already have your application. Um, But that's just me. Yeah. So no resume, no, no printed out application. If you're in the middle of a cycle. No, if they really want to meet with you and talk about it, they'll invite you to go to coffee. Mm -hmm. Um, one of my advisees last year went to the UC Davis pre-health conference and ended up at dinner with, with, a, with a med school that night. And he didn't need his medical. He didn't need his application, right? Yeah. Like he just had a really good conversation and they invited him out to dinner. So if you're a really good, if you're a really good communicator and you're really good at building connections with people, which I hope you are, yeah. um, use your natural talents and you don't need to lean heavily on bragging about yourself. You don't need to lean heavily on your experiences. Just lean on what you're good at, which is just being likable, like being a nice, easy, easygoing, funny person. Yeah. Do you have any tips to feign confidence for those who lack it? (laughs) (laughs) Because Um, honestly, for me, confidence is like the most important thing out of everything. Yeah. Like yeah, people actually, who lack confidence, I just, I cringe. I'm like, oh, it's really yeah. hard to talk with you. Yeah, I agree. We actually had a long conversation about this at my applicant group on Tuesday. 
yeah, I mean, on some level, it's like fake it. You have to fake it. You're going to have to be confident. There's no way around this. It's okay to be nervous, but if you simply don't believe that you deserve to be there, if you don't think you're good enough to apply to that school, then you should not apply to that school. Mm-hmm. You need to be confident in your ability to go to med school. So on some level, like if you are just so nervous, I would say imagine yourself when you're speaking to a patient. So go back to the experiences you've had where you've stood in front of a person and you have had to do a patient interaction. What did you do in that moment? You had to do it and you did it. And hopefully you weren't a nervous wreck when you were talking to real patients. So tap into that, figure out what you did at that moment to make yourself sound, you know, calm and professional. Tap into that, figure out what that sounded like, and then use that voice, use that tone and pretend like you are speaking to a patient when you speak to an admissions person, assume that same level of professionalism and confidence and, and, you just need to practice doing that. Sometimes you just need to practice using that tone of voice uh, where you lower your tone and you speak with a little bit more power in your voice. And again, some people need coaching on that. And I do a lot of coaching on, on voice coaching on how to, how to sound powerful when you're speaking. Um, And so that might just mean you need some practice. Yeah. Elizabeth Holmes from Theranos. That, that was her trademark thing was her voice got super deep. Um, And, and, uh, yeah, that didn't end well for her, but that was the, probably um, not just because of the voice. <laughs> oh, I don't know but about <laughs> I had a woman, um, a professional woman tell me in my early 20s, she said, Joanne, if you want to be taken seriously, you need to lower your tone. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, so let's let's talk logistics, right? So MAPTCON 2023, it's October 6th, which is a Friday through 8th, which is Sunday. Saturday being obviously a full day, Friday kind of afternoon, evening, Sunday morning. A lot of the conferencing and tabling is going to happen Saturday while simultaneously we have lots of sessions for students to go to. When a student is potentially overwhelmed with all of those choices, what do you recommend in terms of splitting up the day and maybe skipping some of the talks to to go to the tables when maybe lots of other people are, are not there? I think that's a that's a really good strategy is I always say eye the tables and see when there's the least amount of people and go for the table when you can. So you don't want to stand in line because it's a waste of time standing in line for 20 minutes just to have a quick conversation with somebody. So go do other things and watch the table. And if the table is empty, that's when you want to go up and, and introduce yourself. Um, so it's a long day. Like you said, it's going to be it's going to be all day. And then also on Sunday. Um, keep an eye out, like pay attention to the people. Like if you see the exhibitor outside the table, you know, you can walk up to them and introduce yourself, maybe not while they're eating. Maybe they want to take a break while they're eating, but you know, if they're just standing around, like you can go up and introduce yourself at any point, we're all going to be in the same space. And so uh, the whole point of a conference is to network. And I would say, um, take advantage of whatever time and space you're in. Talk to anybody, even if it's a school you didn't apply to, even if it's a school you've never heard of, just go up and talk to them and just ask them, you know, where are you at? I've never heard of this school. And, and, and you know, ask them some questions that you would have asked other schools to see what they say. Yeah. And please, for the love of God, don't follow anyone into the bathroom and be like, hey, oh, no. <laughs> glad I caught you here. 
<laughs> including <do> Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> yes, don't follow me anywhere. No, um, no, I I will make myself super available uh, the whole weekend. So it'll be it'll be fun. Um, you mentioned networking, right? This this general term networking, and I think a lot of students, whether because of COVID or just because of their age, they haven't really understood the impact, the power of networking, or what that even means. Yep. What what does networking mean in a general term for a pre-med to understand its importance? So when I think about networking, I'm thinking about finding connections with people. And when you're in a space where there are people who you're trying to impress and you're trying to, to connect with, it's your responsibility to, to go up and, and start that conversation. And so you have no idea when you go up to somebody, another human, if you're going to have a connection with that person right away. And it may be that you don't. Maybe you go up and you talk to someone and you're trying to chit chat and it's just not clicking. You're just not hitting it off. That doesn't mean your chances at that school are doomed and you should just you know write it off. It just means that particular connection didn't work out. But that doesn't mean stop trying. Go up to go up to other people and and ask other questions. Eventually, you're going to find a handful of people who you connect with, and when you find maybe out of a whole conference, a whole weekend, you find two people who you really really connect with, and they say, "Hey, you know, email me on Monday. I'll take a look at your app. I'll give you some feedback." And you call, you know, you email them on Monday, and you have a really good conversation offline about other things after the conference. It's those connections that you can't control, you can't predict, you can't force to happen, but they tend to happen when you put yourself in positions to meet people face to face. Um, that's why you go to conferences is you're hoping you're going to hit it off with some people who are going to, it's going to be fruitful. Whenever I go to conferences, I always end up leaving with a couple of connections that I end up you know, acting on that leads to some type of professional relationship. Um, and those are so valuable long term. Yeah, it's huge. Um, just small, small little connections that you, you don't know where where they're going to go. That's the magic that happens, which I think is awesome. Um, outside of of tabling, right? We're going to have med schools and postback programs and PA schools and podiatry schools and and lots of tables exhibitors at the conference. But there's again lots of sessions I talked about. Students maybe don't understand, like, why should I go in person to a conference outside of all the tabling and connections that I can make there? Is there benefit for a student to be in person listening to a panel versus online yeah. watching a panel? Yes. So here's why. When you're in a Zoom room and you're watching a panel, when the panel is over, the Zoom room closes. Sure, they may ask questions, but you're not going to go up and ask that person individualized questions. You're going to you're going to ask your questions in front of everybody. When that room is closed, it's over. Mm -hmm. But at a real conference, at an in-person conference, when the panel is over, you go up to the person who you liked the most and you stick out your hand and you introduce yourself and then you ask a personal question. And you or you compliment them and you say I really loved what you said about whatever that were that was really impactful for me. That's the only way you can build human connections is to be present. You have to be present to have that happen. And so it's hard to it's hard to explain if you've not done that before, but 
once you realize the power of human connection of being in front of somebody and having someone smile at you and respond to you and give you positive feedback and offer to meet with you afterwards, when you have that happen, it's so exhilarating and you feel so excited about that opportunity. It's not the same as sitting on a Zoom camera and asking a question. Yeah, it's so different. And, and to me, one of the biggest things that I love when whenever I go to conferences, uh, maybe, you know, every time I went to the UC Davis conference, I would have a meetup, I would do a dinner with students. And it, the dinner wasn't for me, it was, it was to bring students together for them to understand that they're not alone in this process. And, and the connections that were made. I, I'm waiting for like the first marriage that comes out of from one of my <laughs> meetups. Um, I think that would be really cool. Uh, may, maybe we'll have a MAPTCON uh, marriage one day. Um, but but I think there's, there's something with being around like-minded individuals outside of the academic world where maybe there's a little bit of a standoffishness, a standoffishness and, and competition but just being in a, a neutral setting that I, th I think just is like, oh, you're a pre-med, I'm a pre-med, like, let's chat. Well, and I think that oftentimes the pre-med world is not associated with fun. Yeah. It's, it's a stressful, high anxiety space. And you're right, like, because it's so competitive, it doesn't bring out the best in people. And what I really love about MappedCon is that this is going to be a fun weekend. It's going to be a space where you don't have to put on airs. You don't have to worry about looking the best or being better than other people or other people making you feel like you're not good enough. This is just going to be a fun space where everybody is coming together from all different stages, whether you're applying or you're a first year in college or you're in high school. Everybody is there with the same goal. And we have a lot of high energy speakers coming. Um, Dr. Gray is really high energy. It's going to be fun. Like we're all going to hang out and learn about a lot of pre-med stuff. All the exhibitors are going to be excited to see you. They're going to have all their swag. And it's just going to be a nice, relaxing pre-med weekend where you can leave inspired. You won't leave feeling bad, I promise. You're going to leave wanting to do more on your journey. All right. So there you have it. MappedCon.com is the place to go to get your early bird tickets go sign up. It's going to be amazing. We're going to have so many amazing guests, speakers there, uh, guest speakers and guests you uh, will hopefully be there as well. So come join us Baltimore, October 6th through 8th in uh, Baltimore again at mappedcon.com presented by Blueprint MCATs. Come hang out with us for an amazing weekend where not only get to hang with us, you get to talk to schools and learn what they're looking for. And hopefully that's you. Hopefully that is you. MappedCon.com. Go sign up today. This is MedEd Media.